Let's do it. We're in it. Boom. Good. Fields of work. Fields of work. This is Fields of Work with Sam and Max. Wow. Episode 11. <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? That was. We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and just record that separately one time, and that'll be our new intro. <laughs> yep. I think so. I got my guitar right over here. Should I grab it? I see Strum. that, but I was wondering if that was more of a, I thought that was more of a prop. No way, man. I've been practicing. Okay. Well, that maybe maybe we'll be run out of things to talk about in the future. We'll get to have one episode where you just practice guitar. Yeah, the 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 episode where I bust out the guitar is when we probably should have ended the podcast. Oh, that'll be the end of the podcast. Okay. It'll be our swan song. <laughs> Literally. Oh, it'll Literally. be a song. It'll be a song about swans. <laughs> Perfect. We'll write that down for when we hit episode probably what? 400? 400, 500 maybe. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think it's we have that much Can you imagine? definitely in the tank. How many years from now would that be? Well, it'd be like 10. 52 in a year. Wow. A lot. Good about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, You did good good math. 52 (laughs) in a year. Wow. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a math consultant. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Max, Um, I have a question for you. mm -hmm. We prematurely celebrated your birthday last episode because somehow you thought that was a good idea. How was your birthday? My birthday was great. Sam, uh, it was barely pre-celebrated. It was one day in advance. That's, that's not big of a That's still pre-celebrated. Okay. Uh, it was good. It was pretty low-key. We didn't do anything too crazy. Went out to a fancy dinner on Friday night, and that was... What'd you eat? But what did we eat? We had... No, not we. Not we. You specifically. Okay. I had... It was called, like, their brick chicken, which is kind of like an old cooking technique where I guess you... Well, it used to be. I don't know if they did this. I didn't look in their kitchen, where they actually put, like, a heavy brick on top of piece of chicken you're cooking in the oven um it helps create like a better skin on it kind of forces it down a little bit super tasty that was with some caramelized carrots on top a little bit of uh, there was like a this is weird it said gnocchi right on the the menu so i assumed like little pastas yeah right little little pillows like, like little pillows i was looking for little pillows under my chicken and instead what i got was this like rectangular zebra cake sized thing (laughs) Not didn't taste like a zebra cake. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it was, was like one big gnocchi, maybe, but it wasn't even a stuffed thing. Maybe it was more like a, maybe it was like a potatoy like I don't know what this was called, but maybe I misread it. I'll have to look at their menu. Maybe I just maybe I thought it was maybe gnocchi. Or maybe you else. thought you knew what gnocchi is, uh, and yeah. now you don't. That's true. But um, and then we had a what? What Haley get? She had uh, some salmon that was probably the best salmon I've ever had. Mm. It was like melt-in-your-mouth level. Um, salmon so. is the best fish because it is the closest to my name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I guide most of my daily decisions for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, And then we had actually it was an amazing appetizer that was a um, homemade ricotta and basil um, ravioli. Yeah. It was very. I would have eaten just a bowl of that if they had brought it, or if it was yum. not. Yum, yum. Then, then we, then we had uh, some, some peach cake. Peach which, cake. Uh, what the heck yeah, is like peach, peach cake? It was like, no, I mean it was. Like, I it wasn't. Like, it was a cake with some peach flavor and some chunks of peaches, and then there was a this brown sugar and a little bit of peach flavor in that as well. Ice cream, but it all went together very well, and mm. I went. I went fancy. Did you read your poem? Did you bring, read your poem in honor of the peach? <laughs> I didn't. I should have. Okay. Um, and then I ordered. I, I never do this, but I ordered the the, the coffee after dessert. Wow. I felt like, you know, why not? And it was I one. never do that because I'm always worried it'll keep me awake. 
It kind of did, but it was a Friday, so I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Living, That's living it up. Right. Yep. Uh, and so we up. I noticed last week when I was listening to the episode, we never actually said how old you are. Yeah. I mean, that's not that big of a deal, but I turned 23. Turned 23. Wow. This is when when there's only nine years between us, right? This time of year? Yeah. Yeah. Until my birthday, which we might as well start celebrating now. Yeah. In the spirit of pre-celebration. Well, I just want to say, Sam, this is is when we're the closest. I just want to know if you feel it. (laughs) I feel feel pretty close. I feel very connected. Yeah, I thought so. But um, yeah, it was a good birthday. We went to the beach on Sunday. So connected that I didn't even know how old you were. Yeah, like I asked you that. I asked you that question like as if I was asking like on behalf of the listener, but it was for me. Yeah. Well, I don't think if I put you on the spot or not to, to say all the brothers' ages that you could. No, because I know I some so. some have two year gaps, some have three year gaps. That is very true. <laughs> You've got You're that the right. easiest one for me because it's yeah usually ten years except yeah for now. Yes. But um, oh, good, good, good birthday. Uh, I'm trying to think if I did anything else. I toured a farm on Saturday. Check out another wait, you, farm. Wait, you work at a farm? Yes. Why would you tour a farm? Because we can talk about this, Sam. I feel like that's the as a farmer, that's the main way you ever learn about other ways to farm oh, or new techniques is by sense. visiting farms. What um, did you learn? Um, I mean, I'm not going to go into like nitty gritty details of how they Why grow not? stuff, but um, it's a no-till farm that's three acres, so you know, three times the size of ours, but um. It was just impressive to see such like a large operation like that, but still, it's hard to say. It's it's not on the same scale because they it's a nonprofit that's volunteer has a ton of volunteers a week, um, so their farm is weed free. I mean, like I would have to hunt to find a weed, but <laughs> really because wow. they they have so many volunteers, they kind of send people through with hoes yeah. going over every bed every week. Um, but no, there was actually I mean I did write a lot down about what I learned from there. Um, so I toured a farm on Saturday, which was awesome. It was next door to the birthplace. Of Henry David Thoreau, Neat. like the house that he was born in was basically not, on the property. Not the Walden house. No, his but Walden house. Walden Pond is ten minutes from that farm I was at, or from where I'm at right now. It's about twenty minutes away. Neat. Um, it's like the go-to place to to swim, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a nice state park. I think it's a state park now that uh, like a lot of trails, but you can kind of swim anywhere. There's a bunch of different beaches on it. Um, it's a very lovely, lovely place, but it also gets hella packed. But um, it's kind of funny because the train does run right through it. Yeah. Oh yeah, he writes about that in the <laughs> in, in Walden. Yeah. It's it's the same track. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. So um, but yeah, no, that was Saturday, and then Sunday we swam at a beach in Groton. That was about it. Not, there's beaches in Groton. What a lake. Yeah, it was like an inland. It was like just like Michigan, like an inland lake that the gotcha. beach was mostly gravel. But gotcha. Good for reading. Dog's first beach experience? Dog's first beach experience. How'd you uh, do? She hates water. What? Really? Not, not a, yeah. Uh, an old, we knew that going in because we've tried to give her baths, and that's a two-person operation where <laughs> one person commits to taking a shower afterwards because you're going to get wet, and you just hold her while the other person like tries to wash her. Um, mm. So we didn't think – we didn't have high expectations for the beach trip, and yeah, she pretty much lived up to not liking water, but – she did jump into the water once, but she was chasing a moth really intensely or a bug and didn't had no surroundings. So it was not even looking down and she jumped to bite it out of the air and then landed on all fours in the water, kind of like up to her armpits. And she just hadn't, it was having none of it, but, um, she did well. She hung out, she dug a lot of holes in the sand and made a lot of, a lot of friends. A lot of nice. little kids were a big fan of her. So she's crowd favorite. And she did go to a, a dog park the day before. So it was a lot of new experiences for her in one wow. weekend. 
New dog experiences park. for you too, probably. Have you ever taken a dog to a dog park? <laughs> I guess I haven't. You're right. I think it was. <laughs> Do you bigger. make any friends? <laughs> it was a bigger experience for her. Um, <laughs> she did okay there. She's she was tiny compared to these other dogs. They they intimidated the shit out of her. Really? Yeah, she would like get out in the open, kind of the open area of the dog park, and then would be like all the dogs would be like, oh, she's gonna play. They all like run at her, and she would just sit down and like hunker down, and they would all circle her, and like just trying to like smell her butt. And, like, knock her over with her noses, basically, because they were trying to just be around her. And she, she looked terrified. She looked like she was trapped by, like, a hawk or something up above. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll work on it. We're going to start taking her, I think, every Saturday to try and get her a little used to dogs. That's a good idea. But good good birthday. I'm 23. Cool. Cover well, the basics. How does, how does being 23 feel? Wow. You know, never thought I'd be like this. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys are gonna notice it in the podcast. I bring a different energy now. Yeah, really, a lot more mature, I would say. Um, this is well, this is my Jordan year, after all, Sam. So. Oh yeah, your Jordan year. That's that's what the kids call it. <laughs> wow. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. Do you remember twenty three? No, what year would that have been? How long ago? So. Nine years ago. Nine years ago, two thousand ten. Been oh yeah, I would have been right in the midst of my attempt at trying to being a teacher. <laughs> This is this is meltdown, not meltdown. But this is turmoil, Sam. This is yeah. This is uh. So what? Summer of 2010. Well, I I'm, this was either the summer before I went to grad school, so I was already in and I knew I was going to be in. Or if I I don't know how to do the math, it's the summer before that one where I still think I'm going to be a teacher and trying to find a full time job right now. That's a pretty big difference between the two. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff changed very quickly uh, around this time. Yeah, that's weird. I've never really put into perspective, you know, like what age you were when all that went down. But in my head, yeah. you were just a lot older because when I was a little kid, I just assumed you were right. like that was a no. that was a big decision you made at like 25, 26 years no. old or something. I was but, your age right now. Uh, I'm living through my Sam year. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I like framing it that way, but I mean, yeah. every year of your life could be a Sam year because I have experienced all of them before you. That is true. Wow. <laughs> How does that feel? That's crazy. Is it? I, I mean, I think no, you're just describing so how time how time works and age. Yeah. It's not crazy. Okay, but uh, how was your how's your week? I won't just go weekend. How was your whole week? My whole week. My week was good. Uh, but a pretty typical week work wise, I think into the into the client's office a couple of times. Um, no teammates in town, so didn't wasn't hosting anybody. Uh, what did I do? What did I do? We this had. Is the, what was that? Oh, sorry, this, is, this is our new segment where Sam's supposed to pull up his calendar. Yeah, I, I, I uh, actually already did that, and I put it in a list of bullet, bulleted points okay. here, so I don't have to look at my calendar. <laughs> but you know what? Let's keep the tradition going. And I already closed my calendar. Never mind. Can't bring it up. <laughs> you do um, remember. The big thing is, we had Wednesday morning. We had a two-hour session with my full internal team, and then two people on the client team. Uh, and we got clear on what we're going to do for the next four months, basically. So we have the contours of a project again. Like We have things to go do, um, and we're all stoked about it, and we are optimistic, and we think we can make some really cool things happen in the next four months. So Feel good to have direction again? does feel good. It does feel good to have direction again. I feel like we can actually do some positive things hopefully you know i mean the timing is funny because literally everybody is going on vacation next week i'm on vacation my two colleagues are on vacation uh and my two the two people on the client side are going to a conference all week next week and then the week that i come back 
one of them is going on vacation. So the summer is just really a fragmented time to try to get any momentum going. Um, but, you know, having having a plan is better than not having one. Yeah. Is this, is this still a thing that the Ready does? Didn't you guys used to take August kind of off? Yeah, that's tell funny. We used to do, what did we call it? We called it like, oh, we called it like remote month or something. This was back when we had an office. Okay. And the idea was we were going to take August, not off, but we would fully encourage all of us to work from wherever we wanted in relation to as long as like you could do the client work. Um, and then we just moved away from that because that's just how we work now. Like yeah. we all, we're, we're all, we're already doing remote month all the time. So it just stopped being uh, a thing. Okay. But yeah, if you're working with like a European client, August tends to be like, there's nothing going on. Like often the project even just completely pauses in August because the Europeans, let me tell you, they know how to do summer. They take actual long ass vacations, not these one week little snippets that Americans take. Yeah, just when you start to get into it here, like just like when you start to settle into your vacation, it's pretty much over. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm this summer. I'm doing something atypical in that usually I'll try to take a two week block off if at all possible, which I feel like is pretty standard for people who mm -hmm. ha have vacations to take. Uh, but this year, just the way Emily's schedule worked out. I'm taking one week. I took one week in July. And I'm taking one week in a, next week in in August. So I'm not a huge fan of that because, just as you said, by the time you're starting to get into the vacation mode, it's time to go back. Yeah, but it's better than I, I won't complain too much. It's better than no vacation. Are these your only two vacations, pretty much for like the year? Like your yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll take occasional days off here and there when needed, and I'll probably take some time off around Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, and then there's, we have, we basically take the week between Christmas and New Year's completely off. Yeah. So that'll basically be it, I think. Cool. So you have a project again, but you're going on vacation. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, what else did I do this week? I gave like a half hour presentation on meetings because the only thing better than a meeting is in a, to be in a meeting, meeting about meetings. <laughs> But it was good. Uh, there was some. This good was at the client. Line. Yeah, at the client with a bunch of people calling in as well. Um, there was probably six or seven, you no, know, probably eight people in the room, and then I don't actually know how many were on the phone. I w was listening to beeps as people joined the conference call, and I think it was maybe like fifteen or twenty. Wow. Okay. Uh, so I gave that presentation, and we talked. We had a discussion for a while. And then why don't today, you, why don't you tell us a bit about the discussion? Because I mean, well, I'm sure. obviously not going to go in your 30 minute talk, but what sure. was sure. The... So I mean, basically, the 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 um, topic was how to facilitate and design better meetings. And I went. The basic premise of the the talk is that, um, well, I guess the metaphor that I like to use is that. If you think about a football team, for example, they run different plays depending on the situation that you're in. Like, mm -hmm. if you need, if you're at fourth and one, you're probably not going to throw a hail mary, right? And like, it, unless you're be you're be playing Madden, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless you barely understand how the game works, then yeah. But even in that case, if you're going to throw a hail mary, everybody on your team knows that you're going to throw a hail mary, right? And everybody has specific responsibilities that they need to do. Or think of it, you know, in our terms, in hockey, if you're killing a penalty. Everybody kind of has responsibilities around how they are playing their position, and you can exp you can predict what your teammates are going to do. Um, and I think it's useful to think about that in terms of meetings as well, in that there are different types of meetings that we should run depending on what we're actually trying to do. 
So there are lots of different reasons why people come together to have a meeting in a large corporation. It could be to work on some sort of work product, some sort of work thing. Uh, it could be to make a decision. It could be because you need advice about something. It could be for a, a whole handful of different reasons. And most organizations treat meetings the same regardless of why we're actually meeting. Uh, and so we, we come in and try to teach a handful of different meeting types that you can use for specific purposes. So I, I just talked through three during the talk, uh, an action meeting, which is like a weekly meeting designed to help you unblock and figure out what the work actually is for a team to do. Um, retrospectives, which are just a, a meeting where the, a team pauses and asks itself how, how things are going and what changes they want to make to how they're working together. Uh, and then something called integrative decision-making, which is a, a decision-making protocol for when a team has a particularly complex decision to make uh, or a decision where it's not clear who has the decision right to actually make the decision. It's a specific protocol that you can kind of go through. So I talked through those at a high level and then just talked about some general kind of what we call meeting moves, which are things you can do in any type of meeting, things like uh, using a check-in round and a closing round, uh, the way that you know, the way you start a meeting, the way you end a meeting, kind of how oh we didn't do a check-in round today, Max. We'll come back. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Um, things like that. Uh, having a facilitator is something that we always encourage people to do. Like have somebody in the meeting who is there to actually run the meeting and and think about the structure of the meeting. Have a scribe who is kind of publicly capturing the commitments that we're making in a meeting things things like that um so yeah th did that did that uh satiate your curiosity yeah no that's good i was just okay. curious really you know yeah. I, I mean i read brave new work and that touches on that a little bit but i mean i gotta imagine this client you're working for just because i have previous knowledge of what your project you're on is pretty old and pre-existing concept of which is true for a lot of your guys' clients, but I imagine there's a million meetings a day in that company. Yeah, I mean, um, for most organizations, meetings are like the primary organizing principle for your day. It's you're, you're either prepping for your next meeting or you're in a meeting. Yeah. And there are meetings to prepare for meetings. There are meetings to prepare for the <laughs> meetings where you prepare for meetings. It's truly, um, it's truly bonkers. Yeah. How do you ever get anything done, like legitimately done? You you Free don't time? really. You yeah. You work on the weekends. You work in the evenings. Uh, tiny little snippets of in between canceled meetings, basically, yeah. is when you get a chance to actually do work. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough environment to to get real work done. Uh, and then other than that, I just wrote Brave New Work Weekly, the Redis newsletter that I write every week. Just finished that before I called you. I actually wrote the deliberate as well. That's going to go out on Saturday. Uh, you are trying punctual to, on I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap things up before I go on vacation. And yeah, I'm trying to make those two newsletters come out on Saturdays along with this podcast. Saturdays are like the day that I dump all the things that I created throughout the week into the world. That's kind of nice though. Yeah, when I'm able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um so. Do we want to work in this check-in before we do our, our big topic? Yeah, do let's, a check let's, out? let's do it. No, let's do a check-in round. Well, uh, do you, well, I don't know. I do. I didn't do my weekly recap. Oh yeah, which is not much. I, we heard my birthday weekend. Oh that yeah, was a weekend do, do, recap. Okay. I got All right, do your do your weekly recap, and then we'll do a, a check-in round. Okay. Okay. Um, I actually don't have much to, to to say about this week overall, but um, well, lamb update. I have I have uh, I've been fact-checked by myself because we don't have a fact-check crew here. <laughs> um, there was. There were two scabby, the lamb we had previously discussed. Oh yeah, abscess boy. 
Yeah, that's two different lambs. There was Scabby who just had like a kind of like a, a scabby looking head, which I think it might be that it was dealing with um, either they rubbed their heads against like the hutch a lot and stuff. So he, he was fine. He just had a bit of a, a scabby noggin, you know? Yeah. Um, who doesn't? It's fine. He's okay. <laughs> but then there was then there was old old abscess boy. And um, I don't know what they're doing to treat it, if they're doing anything to treat it. And it was actually on its like jaw. It's still on its head, but kind of like on its on its mouth area. And he's looking good. He's like, it's like kind of starting to heal on its own. So we didn't really? Really do anything to kind of like, hmm. I'd maybe, maybe Kaylee gave some medicine that I don't know about, but I'm pretty yeah. sure they kind of just let it, left him to his own devices and he's pulling around. So good. I just, mean, he's just in honest, time, just in time to butcher. <laughs> it doesn't change <laughs> his outlook or, you right. know, the next month for him, but it's just good to know that he's doing better. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right, cool. And uh, what about a pig update? Give me a, give me an update on those little oinkers. Oh, the oinkers are good. We extended their um, like their run or you know their little pasture area uh, this week with electric fence, which is like Christmas morning for them because that just opened up another like 200 square feet of just like prime weeds and stuff to eat. Nice. Um, and you know more spots on the fence that they can bump into. Um, <laughs> yeah, check they, it out. Have they have they figured out the electric fence yet? Um, I want to say yeah, but I heard one squeal today, so I really and they've been around too long to not. <laughs> know what's going on but um i thought pigs had this reputation of being smart i don't i could have sworn i heard that like pigs are like pretty intelligent and you should feel bad for eating them because they have like feelings and siblings and stuff well you know i've never heard that but i'm not getting that feeling from the ones we're raising (laughs) okay listen there's also dumb humans that's true repeated dumb mistakes true in fact we actually talked about me grabbing an electric fence i believe yeah, exactly. So that's what they're doing just over and over. And they yeah. could have short-term memory loss or something. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but they're good. And then on Wednesday, I went to – It's I'm, I don't even know why it's this acronym. It's called CRAFT. But it's basically a uh, Eastern Massachusetts farmers like group. Um, that's C- like a community of really awesome farmer – Finish it. <laughs> uh, trainees there you go um yeah i think that's definitely it <laughs> but anyways they they put on different events there's a big email list it's common on craft for someone to be like anyone else like they'll send out an email to everybody and it'll say like you know anyone else seeing this disease or this pest or whatever hmm. um it's kind of a way to stay connected and share information um bringing back essentially what rural farming used to be like where you could just go stop at your neighbor's house and ask them about what they had going on in their fields right but go hang out at the general out. store mm-hmm Exactly, but now we don't really the farms that you know there's not any farms around us really like within a walking distance for us to do this with. So Kraft is kind of a group of people that are all farming on different scales uh, in eastern Massachusetts. But they put on every two weeks they do like a, a workshop um, at somebody's farm. So someone hosts, um, and the workshop will be about you know techniques on weeding and what that farm does to you know control weeds and what their machinery and stuff that they use is like. Or you know there's been ones on everything, but this week's was pest and disease so there was somebody there from actually university of massachusetts who was an expert on um i identifying like pests and disease in brassicas so cab cabbage crops and things like that um so it was like 30 farmers getting together at a farm to just talk you know we did a farm tour um then we kind of identified learned how to identify and treat and different things like that cool. another good way to just sit there and hear what people are doing to write down kind of like all right that's something i've never thought of that's a good technique yeah um are you the but, youngest person at this event um, not, 
No, not anymore because I, it's a lot of people that um, it's very aimed at new farmers. Mm-hmm. They really encourage people who are farming for the, you know, gotcha, just starting uh, farming and interested in farming to kind of come learn more. This is kind of like your if you're not getting an apprenticeship at your current farm, this is a thing you can do to supplement it. Um, so there's people there that are probably like 19, 20, a couple years okay. younger than me. Um, but the crowd ranges from it's basically 20 year olds to like 35 year olds is probably like the group. Gotcha. Um, but that was cool. It was, it was, you know, the second one I've been to this summer. But also people kind of hung out afterwards and drank beer and ate corn and just kind of talked after afterwards about whatever's going on. So but that was pretty much it um, for this whole week. I have but, a very important question for you yeah. uh, about how you, you conducted yourself at this event. Did you go around and ask everybody if they listened to Fields of Work? So you're a farmer, right? And you're pretty <laughs> interested in, in farming and fields. <laughs> Might I should make business cards. You need to make some business cards, and you need to get out yeah. there and pound the pavement, pound the field of ground, uh, and get people listening to our podcast. Okay. Yep. I'll start. Got to get these I'll, numbers up, my man. I'll start going farm. They're to farm. a little low. They're we very loyal listeners. <laughs> they're our family, and that doesn't count. Family, and I've had like two friends. I have. I have about. at least one friend who's who's listening to it. Like that, we got listenership. We're five. <laughs> That's like like thirteen people. Yeah, I guess we so. Do this, do this for the love of the, 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 the conversation. The yep, that's right. Um, but that was it. So we can do a check-in round. I'm, All right. I've got a question. Oh, you got one? You yeah, well, you told well, me let's, that. Let's, let's both do one. Let's both do one. You okay. go first. Um, mine's inspired by yours from last week. So mine is, and by recent events, it says, uh, you're going to a dinner party. What you bringing? What's your, F- what's your go-to? Food-wise? Yeah, food-wise or, yeah, if you were someone invited you over for a dinner party, what would you whip up? What was I asked to bring? Let's say nothing. It was fair game. Hmm. What are we going to bring? Do I like the people that I'm going? <laughs> you can give me two scenarios. Do you get invited <laughs> to a lot of dinner parties from people that hate you? <laughs> no. What, what, would your, okay, what would your choice be if the, the people don't like you? Hot dog water? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Maybe. All right, here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to make – and if I, so I want to make something that's easy to make a lot of. I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of people there. Yeah. I'm going to make some baked ziti. Baked ziti? Yeah. Nah, sounds good. Yeah. Have you made big ZD in the past year? I yeah. <laughs> That's true. I don't know if you, I, I didn't know that was in your repertoire. It's in my repertoire. All right, um, what about you? Well, I feel like it depends again, obviously on the situation. But as the farmer, you always just got to bring like, you either got to bring a salad that's with the most seasonal stuff that you have, or you just bring people... over a bunch of raw, dirty vegetables. Because <laughs> a sack a... of dirty potatoes and and like some cucumbers with bugs on them. Yep, exactly. Or yeah, I just bring a basket. It's uh, a cornucopia of it. I just set it on the middle of the table, like a like a yeah. centerpiece. Yeah. Um. Or the other thing that's always good, especially at the farms I've been at, I've always had like cut flowers. You bring anyone some flowers from a dinner party oh, that are so from your romantic. farm. Yeah. I, I, instantly, the host they love you. So, so romantic. It's so romantic. You know what you should be doing though is bringing your your bread. I should. Well, now yeah, that's what I would do. Well, you know what? I don't get invited to a lot of dinner parties, Sam. So once I get a chance to whip out the bread, I'll start bringing sourdough to these things. All right, that's, but, um, that's a good idea. All right, here's my check-in question. And actually, hold on. i got to look something up real quick. Fact-check your own check-in question? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm trying to look up. My friend who listens to the podcast sent me a message out of the blue the other day with a good name for your bread. And good, oh, for my starter? Yeah. He's like, you, he should have <laughs> named it. And I can't – shit, I can't rem- – I'm going to find it. Give me a second. This is like my friend who who contacted us and said one of those lambs should have been named the Dalai Lama. Oh, here we go. Uh, Bob says you should have named your bread Fred. Fred the bread. 
<laughs> well, you know what? I wasn't really sold on Sinclair, so <laughs> it can be changed. Well, remember, Sinclair is the name of the starter. Oh, you're not just saying the actual bread. Be... Well, I make two loves a week. Well, we got do a I lot of naming one? opportunities. <laughs> Which one do I make, Fred? Just I one? Know. Yeah. Fred. Wow, I got to choose a good Fred one. Fred and Ted. Fred and Ted. Well, I'm baking this weekend. Maybe I'll yeah. bake Fred and Ted this Please weekend. Please do. I'll send, I'll send you pictures. Send of me a picture so I can send it over to Bob. Okay. All right. Here's my check-in round question. We've really, we're really, th- hey folks, this is not how you do a check-in round. Uh, you don't let people just uh, uh, kind of play grab ass back and forth over the question. <laughs> you just answer it and then you move on with your meeting. However, All right. that's not what we're doing. Max, check-in round question. What kind of tree are you? What kind of tree am I? Yeah. I am a. I'm an apple tree, Sam. Why? Um, you know what? You said you don't have to grab no, ass. you do. Fighting. You do. <laughs> I was just thinking of, I don't know. I love, you know what? First off, I love the fall and autumn, and I associate that with, with apples and apple cider. Right. Um, and I, I kind of enjoy, like, the big, the fruit harvest or tree harvest, you know, tree fruits that come in in the fall. Um, tree, tree fruits, like apples? Are you calling apples do you forget the name of Apple, or are you describing... No, oh, that's okay. like other things, like pears. And <laughs> <Okay>. I don't... <laughs> I love them I, tree fruits. <laughs> I had a mini stroke. I like those little red guys, those little red, those little Christmas ornaments that you eat. Um, I don't know. I don't have much more reason than All that. All right, that's good. That's good. My answer, what, and I'm going to... think about this for weeks. This is well, I actually used this in a client, uh, or someone, the client actually came up with this check-in round question. I'm going to borrow my friend will's answer uh i'm gonna be some sort of pine tree because i smell good <laughs> okay nice <laughs> and I'm reliable and i like the cold okay and you know what they're not they're not hardwood trees technically they're actually softwoods and you're a little soft oh uh, <laughs> i am a little soft <laughs> interpret that how you want <laughs> a little soft around the edges all right well now that we've gotten all the bs out of the way and we're about halfway through <laughs> i think we're done i think we're done we, we're all all done Last week, I spent most of the time talking about, or we spent most of the time talking about what makes a, a bad farmer or a bad farmer versus a good farmer. Mm-hmm. And we it decided was... that, you know, it's only fair that you talk about this as well. And hopefully you've molded over all week and asked all your consultant friends. And I'm hoping that you can enlighten us on what makes a bad consultant. Because I will say, I feel like, um, I, I maybe this isn't true. I feel like consultants kind of got like a... a stigma around it or something where people would be like oh you know i'm a consultant and everyone just accepts it. i was like yeah okay he's, just like, he's a consultant of course or he's not he lives in new york he's a consultant it's like oh yeah no, wait wait go further what do you mean by oh of course what is the what's the stigma there uh, it's just like um i think it's the thing that a lot Douchebag? of people oh. yeah, no not okay. really i mean i think it's like a people it just seems like there's a because there's so many things you can consult on these yeah. days you know it's such it's a almost term. a meaningless title exactly and um, someone's in business or in something or in a big city and you just say they're a consultant mm, to cover yeah. like this grand and you're like, okay, that's, I guess that works for me. And like, of course they are. And I think it has probably sometimes rightfully so uh, the thought of like, oh, they're making pretty good money mm-hmm. uh, as a consultant. And you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like that's just kind of like a, a general answer that people give for, right. for doing. It's like, kind of it's like generic business job. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And so obviously you've worked within a, within a single kind of realm of consulting a little bit. Um, but I'm sure being a bad consultant, a lot of those things apply no matter what you're consulting on. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. My but, experience is going to be atypical in that I've only had one consulting job and that one job that I've had is the one that I'm currently in. And it's such a, 
the Ready is such a atypical company that it's hard probably to generalize to others the fact you know that we're self-managing and we do like we don't do a, a very cut and dry type of consulting anyway. Um, so I'll try to. I, I mean, I think I have some answers, um, but take them with a grain of salt because of my specific background. Can I ask first, what yeah. when people ask, or when you tell people you're a consultant, what then, like, caveat, not caveat, but what else do you use to describe what kind of consulting you guys do? Is it, like, yeah. like ship consulting or management consulting? Sometimes, like- sometimes if I don't really get the sense that the person actually wants to t- know or talk about what I do, I'll just say, yeah, I'm like a type of management consultant or I'm a management consultant. Uh, if I get the sense that they want to actually kind of understand or know what it is that we do, I will elaborate by saying we're, I'm a transformation, like basically an organizational transformation consultant or an org design consultant. And then I'll usually follow that up with just one or two sentences about we help really um, large and bureaucratic organizations be better, better places to work, do their work more productively, things like that. Cool. All right. So on that note, what are some things that make a bad consultant? Well, I'm sitting here looking at the notes that I took and I framed it as what makes a good consultant. Oh, that's so positive of you. (laughs) That's, you know, you know what what makes a good consultant, Sam? Being positive. Being positive. (laughs) You know what makes a good consultant? Taking instructions and ignoring them and doing what he wants. Oh, that's fine. You know what? I think I decided to take the negative last week. So this is good that you can take the positive. Yeah. All right. Well, I tried. I tried to organize it into like three broad categories, and this represents maybe ten minutes of thinking. So let's uh, let's not interrogate it too deeply. Uh, but I thought about it in terms of client skills, which are kind of the more soft human type skills, like how you deal with clients. Mm-hmm. The technical skills around like speaking and writing, and the technical aspects of doing the work. And then the third category that I came up with was content skills, like how well you know your subject and how well versed you are in being able to explain it and talk about it to other people. So you got to be good in each of these. Um, Under the client skills bucket, here's what I came up with, and we can go as deep as you want on any of these. The first one that came to mind for me is, um, is humility and this is something that I didn't understand at first. I don't think I thought that consultants were expected to come in and already have answers or if not, if, and if you didn't have the answer, like figure it out quickly so that you could give it to your client. And maybe this is just because of the type of consulting we do. Um, but I don't think it is the, the, our role is to help the client get to the answer on their own, not just hand it to them on a, a platter basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's, it's funny how similar that sounds to my teaching career, because so much of being a good teacher is like helping students kind of come to the answer on their own and not yeah. just give it to them. Um, you know, that's why you know, lecturing is generally considered not the most effective teaching method, you know, and same thing in consulting, like, well, I'm not, I'm trying to minimize the amount of time I am just lecturing at clients and instead doing things with them, kind of working side by side instead of sitting across the table from them. Uh, And it it took me a while to really get that and to realize that it's not my job to be the smartest person in the room. It's 100% okay if I don't know the answer and that I don't need to like try to hide the fact that I may not know the answer. Yeah. 
Did uh, did it make you uncomfortable at first sitting in meetings and people like ex- and expecting oh, an answer of sorts or one hundred one hundred percent? And because my personality is such that I like to be over prepared for everything. Yeah. Because if I'm over prepared, then I can react to unexpected things happening, mm-hmm. and. Early on, while I was very new to consulting and the ready was very new to existing, it was hard to be prepared because everything was new. It was constant, 100% improv with never really having um, any experience to draw from. Now that I've been doing it for a while longer, it's still improv but I've done it enough that I can recognize situations and I know how to um, kind of respond to them gotcha yeah so and I think and I've seen and I've seen consultants who don't have that so on the flip side I think what makes you a bad consultant is that if you if you lack humility and you basically adopt a posture of being the smartest person in the room of being smarter than your client of trying to impress everyone around you with your intellectual kind of firepower instead of actually working with the client. Gotcha. Next one on my list was uh, being comfortable with discomfort. So the role that you often play as a consultant is um, the person who is being paid to tell people what they don't necessarily want to hear. Yeah. Uh, and I think some people hire consultants not wanting that. They want a consultant to tell them that they're doing the right thing. Um, but if you're able to kind of sniff that out ahead of time, you try not to work for those people. Most of the leaders that I've worked with want people to be straight with them. And it's really hard in the hierarchy of a really large organization to find people who will give it to you straight, who actually work in the company because they don't want to do anything to harm their you know, potential career path moving forward. Uh, so as a consultant, I don't have to worry about that. Like worst thing that could happen is that we get fired from the project, which is not a big deal at all. So I have to be comfortable representing that um, point of view to powerful people. And that doesn't mean that you do it in a hostile way or in a, in a, in a dickish way, but you have to be comfortable saying things that maybe people don't want to hear. And that, this is definitely one that I still wrestle with and I'm still getting good at. I think you only get better at it the more you do it. So that's like the, that's the kind of extreme end of it. And then on the more minor end of discomfort is things like silence in a meeting. Um, You have to get really comfortable with that because sometimes that's what the situation calls for. Like I, I could bail them out, but that wouldn't actually be helpful to the project or to the team learning how to do something differently. So sitting there in silence while everyone just kind of looks at each other because I'm waiting for an answer like you just have to be okay with that, and this is where my teaching uh, I was training. Say, this, this is like teaching. It it's, sounds like it's, a lot. It's one hundred percent teaching. So you learn that in in teaching programs. Um, you learn to not cut the silence off too early, and it's the number probably the number one thing that novice teachers do wrong is they get uncomfortable by the silence and they bail everyone out by answering or by saying something to break the mm-hmm. silence. And the really great teachers and I think really good consultants are super happy to just sit there in silence. And I I love it now. It's like one of my favorite things. And I'll, you know, I'll, 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 teams will, once they've worked with me for a little bit, will realize like, yeah, 
Like, Sam is not going to bail us out of this. Like, he will sit here in silence for minutes until somebody yeah. says something. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's something just around being comfortable with discomfort that makes you a good consultant. I was going to say, this is very unspurling. Like, how did you ever end up in a job where discomfort was such a – I mean, <laughs> I get that for change and for good growth, discomfort needs to be a thing that comes up. But we were, we were not people that – our family is not known for being um, – for thriving under uncomfortable situations like many people are. And here yeah. you are working in a situation where – I think it's just something you that you okay practice. You know, it's something yeah. that you practice and you can get better at. So I don't know that we, – we don't – we're not naturally drawn to those things, but once you've done it a few times, you realize it's not that big a deal. And yeah. especially, I mean, a part of it is that I have the role that I am filling that kind of allows me to do that. Like, this is my job to like yeah. teach and challenge. So if I do things that help people learn and that are uncomfortable and, and are challenging, like I'm just doing my job. So it's easy for me to kind of like hide behind that. Yeah, that's true. And I'm sure when we have brothers on in the future, I would think from my thinking about this, Nate is probably the same way. Nate's job now requires a lot of uncomfortable with discomfort of telling people what they don't want to hear. That, um, and I think actually each of our brothers, Louis on the phone all day with angry customers and like helping yeah. solve their problems. Joey is out there working with suppliers who are maybe yeah. having quality problems and he needs like the liaison between them and, and the car company. Like yeah. that's... I think it's surprising, actually, how much of that that we've all kind of fallen into. Yeah, and I think that all another part of that could just be that many of these jobs, I mean, many jobs in general, just have a aspect of you need to be <laughs> yeah to be able not, to deal with discomfort. Not and, well, not all of us are farmers who primarily have to deal with plants and colleagues that you mostly like. So I think yeah, you actually might I mean, be the yeah. atypical one in terms of just like people in this age. Like in your like twenties, you often have jobs that maybe people who are older don't want, and I think yeah. sometimes that's jobs that have to deal with difficult people. Yeah, and now that I think about it too, I mean, like all the discomfort or this anything that's like it's everything's so internal for the most part as a farmer, because usually, yeah. especially when you're the manager, you're making those decisions, and like you could be uncomfortable with the situation, but you're mostly, it's just like you personally are uncomfortable because of the situation sure. you're in. It's not like you dealing with another person that made you yeah, uncomfortable. It's, it's, not, really... it's not an interpersonal discomfort. It's like yeah. literal physical discomfort. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> that is definitely a big part of it. But um, yeah. yeah, I guess out of all of us, I probably deal with the least number of people in a day. Yeah. Um, and that's great. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> I'm very jealous of you. Sometimes I'll be like in this like really difficult day and I'll be like, man, I want to go work with Max. What's well, What's let's, let's just say this. I'm pretty sure, you know, one of those days when we have a Patreon, <laughs> one of those episodes is going to be that Sam puts a day in a work at the farm. Yeah, and, and one of those we, days will be you come to my – come be a consultant. That's not going to be allowed at all. You can put me maybe on a plane. I bet you, you can. I could find some stuff that you could do like internal to the ready. Like, yeah, I yeah. can't put you on a client project, but <laughs> – Well, I don't want to be. And I, yeah, but I think you on a farm would be, um, would be good. Uh, no, here's be, what we do for Patreon – is that we get enough Patreon supporters? I do a consulting project on your farm. Yeah, I mean that's that's gonna happen in the future no matter what. <laughs> okay. But at the age of twenty three, I don't think I have a farm to start yet. Yeah. But uh, in the in the days of Max starts his own farm or whatever yeah. farming endeavor that I'm under at the point, we will. I think uh, I just met you know the farm that you're currently on. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll just come work. I'll do a pro bono project and we'll okay. and we'll podcast each uh, each week. 
Well, the other thing I was going to say, Sam, is that um, the way that a lot of farmers, there's, 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 you know, the famous farmers in the organic world, and they've all like written books about whatever their thing, the lean guy, and there's different things. Why are like we that. writing a book right now? Well, what I'm saying is we got to approach farming, but with your um, experience. And Brave what you new guys farm. Do. Brave, Brave new, new farm. Boom. Brave new is- farm. It's happening. Brave new farmer. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. <laughs> But uh, that, I think that is where we that is where we we jump in and uh, we find ourselves a, a good a good little spot in the market for approaching self managing farm. I yeah. bet you there are some interesting. I bet there are probably all sorts of farmers that are co ops and self managing. Oh yeah, no, there there definitely are. There's yeah. there's a whole of it that could be opened up yeah. and discussed right. in the future. But that'll be our book, and I mean, I'm glad we have a title already. It's content. We can figure <laughs> yeah. content out. Content's no the easy part. Books. Title the title's the hard part. Title was the hardest part of our episode or of our of our. Uh, of our podcast yeah it took a long time that's true it did take a while talking like this it took it took almost 45 minutes (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is a long you know what that made me uncomfortable how long that took uh all right i gotta fly through these because we're gonna be here for like three hours if i talk about each of these a, a lot uh just two other things that i had under the client skills bucket i think there's something around being good at understanding the client context and then connecting that connecting the work that we're doing to what they actually care about. So I think what makes you a bad consultant is being oblivious to the actual context of the client and just trying to blindly apply what you know. Yeah. So that would be like me coming in and be like, hey, brave new work, it's the best thing ever. Like, Just start doing these things and not understanding why some of the things in the book may be complete non-starters for this client or maybe literally impossible for them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really about... And, and this is what the first couple of weeks of a project is really all about. But you do it throughout the entire time is diving into the context and learning it to the extent that you can, to the highest extent that you can. So the first couple of weeks of a project, I will do as many one-on-one interviews as I can with as many people up and down the organization as I can. I will get myself invited to as many meetings as I possibly can just to sit there and listen. I will read everything that anyone will give me about the history of the company and what they've what projects they've done i'll look at actual project materials just because i'm trying to get totally steeped in it i'll set up a google alert for the company's name and i'll read all the news that's coming out so i'm aware of like what's happening in the market that is related to to the organization and the better i understand all of that a i think it endears you to the client a little bit it shows them that you actually care about understanding them and you don't just see them as kind of this faceless company to come copy and paste your stuff onto and B, it also just makes you much better at your job. If I know that like something crazy is happening with the stock price, that's w- and that would maybe explain why everybody is being all tense and weird. Like that, yeah. it makes my job easier rather than not knowing and just like assuming people are you know reacting to something I'm doing or I'm just being totally confused. This is kind of what you said too about you know when you had that. Uh crisis that was not a crisis that never actually turned into anything but the idea of being internal you know just putting time in working for a specific company because you said you felt like you could really you know like if you did that that stint of being internal somewhere you know and actually getting the full um, yeah you you get the context what they do in the context of everything they do and how that would make you a better consultant totally um overall i mean i guess that's just having to do that on every individual client that you work for. Yeah. I mean, even even if I do an excellent job at what I just described, I'm still external. I'm still not there all day, every day. I'm still not in some sensitive meetings. So it's you're still the, the guy, you're still the guy in the lecture that hit his head on the leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still the consultant. I'm still one of the bobs from office space. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's always that element of, 
of distrust um, that I think some people have, not everyone. And like I said, sometimes that position as an external person lets you say things that other people can't say. But on other times, it also keeps you um, like on the outside more so than someone who's actually internal. So, and then the last one I had under client skills, I just described it as be a human being. Uh, and this is, this is something around like clients remember how you make them feel. And uh, this is about trying to make positive connections and relationships with the people that you're working with very, very closely. So it's about being empathetic. It's about, um, you know, bringing some fun to the project, not being this like dour robot all the time. Um, I think I think there's something about just being a person that other people like to be around that makes you a good consultant. You know, call it charisma or just being personable. I'm not really yeah. sure. Um, but it's a thing that I, that I think is really important. And I don't know yeah. that I'm good at it yet, but I'm definitely – I see consultants who are very good at that, and I see what it unlocks for them. I, I gotta imagine that they're more likely to have a conversation with you a little bit more, but let let you in even more into what's going on in the company if they're that comfortable with you to let you know what's moving on the inside and totally let you know where some of their stress is coming from that maybe is not apparent to everyone else. Or... Yeah, and there's some people who you just like connect with better, just like anybody in the world. And in my mm -hmm. current project, I feel like I'm very lucky to have that. Like our primary stakeholder is a guy who I really like. We have very open conversations. Um, I. And, and it has enabled, I think, a lot of a much more interesting approach to the work than if it's just somebody who we're just having like a professional, you know, we have 30 minutes together and that's the last time I'm going to talk to you until next week. Like that's that's not what this project has been. And it's been much more fulfilling and much more, I think, effective, even though we've had these massive kind of upheavals to the, the structure of the project. Yeah. All right. um, I'll, I'll try to interrupt you less. No, that's all right. The, the, less, the, the, the remainder of these are really straightforward, I think. So the technical skills, I'll just do them in one big lump. So that's all. Everything I just described is kind of like how you show up with a client, like client handling type skills. There's undoubtedly other things that I have completely spaced that probably should be in that bucket. And then there's, I think there's a handful of the, just like technical things. So like being a good writer, a good speaker, a good facilitator, and a quick learner. So being a good writer, you're writing emails all day long or you're writing Slack messages all day long and you have to be clear and concise. And because I like to write, I um, will often incorporate kind of these long-ish memos into a project. Like we'll, there'll be certain moments throughout a project where I feel the need to write like a one to three page thing, kind of summarizing where we are, or proposing something. And I think being a good writer has helped in that for sure. Uh, same thing with speaking, you know, in, in consulting work, at least the type of consulting work that we do, occasionally I'm giving talks to rooms full of people, either, you know, a room full of executives or, you know, a room full of a hundred leaders or a couple hundred leaders. So being comfortable in those kind of public speaking environments helps. Um, and then facilitating is probably the main one for the work that we do. So much of my time is spent either like in a workshop environment, kind of like in a classroom environment, uh, or teaching and facilitating a team in their meetings um, or in their sort of offsite. And again, that's where the teaching training has really come in handy uh, as well, because so much of facilitating, like, teaching is basically facilitating. Yeah. Um, 
So. We're on a ticking time clock now. My dog uh, inhaled the bone that I gave her, which is terrifying. <laughs> um, and she is up and moving. Great. And loudly drinking water. So Boca uh, is here. Hear. We can't hear her. Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> yeah, she's, 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 she laps her water pretty aggressively. <laughs> but uh, you're good. You're good. But if you hear like a yelp or a bark, it's that it's her clock. It's not you. It's not you is what you're saying? Well, yeah, it's not me, but it's, it'll be Boca's first appearance on the podcast. <laughs> All right, great. Cool. Okay, but those are all straightforward. I those are like yeah, straightforward technical skills. The nice thing about those is those things are kind of things, I guess maybe not so much facilitating, but things you can kind of work on without necessarily having to be on a client project. Yeah, and and totally. Like all of those are things that you can definitely practice. Even facilitating within the ready, there's so many opportunities to, f- to facilitate ourselves, um, our own meetings, that you can definitely practice there. And the, the thing there with facilitating is that uh, – we're actually a tough group to facilitate because we're all facilitators. facilitators. So we're always like, we're we're always like giving facilitation tips and advice to people who are trying to facilitate us, and it's really annoying. And we have to That's tell each other to stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just imagine like a retreat full of consultants like me. Like, oh man, we can we can be insufferable. You know what that would be? It would be you're out of big farm, right? And it's a bunch of farmers who've had their own farms. And you say, go pick those beans or go do this thing. Yeah. And they're all going to do it a different way. They're like, what are you no. doing? Like, you don't do it that way. Or have you, you thought about doing it this way? Have you thought about doing it this way? Yeah. It would just be everybody arguing about how to do it. So no, I, can, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. It would be insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last bucket, I just have two things. And I would call it content skills. And for me, this is around like – being innately curious about your field and about your subject. So reading and trying to become a better consultant, seeking out consultants who are better than you and learning from them or reading books about being a better consultant, but also the content around whatever you're consulting in. So for us, that's self-management and teal organizations and, and you know management history. Um, I have this huge trello board filled with all of the different topics that i feel like i need to become an expert in to be really master level in this type of of consulting and i think if you don't have that you're going to be bad or if you're good you're going to eventually be bad because you're not staying up to date on what's happening in in the field yeah is uh is knitting on there or anything knitting or what are, yeah <laughs> no, knitting. Of, no knitting no <laughs> knitting no should I add it? You want to make a case as to why knitting is important to the future of work? It's just nice to make your own scarves. <laughs> yeah. All right. That may be on my secondary importance uh, Trello board. Just think about it, you know? Just yeah. a thought. Right. Thanks. <laughs> Last one. Well, what kind of things are what kind of things are on there that you are like trying to get better at? And good, what are, what are some question. things you can pull let me, up? Let me just pull it up right now. I'll stop. Make, I'll stop doing jokes and I'll start asking real things. <laughs> oh, that was a joke. Um, yeah, that was a joke. That was a joke. Oh, all right. You'll insert laugh there. Yeah, yeah, I will. Uh, Where is it? All right, personal mastery curriculum. So my broad, my broad topics are. So I think there's like literally stuff around the tools that we use at the ready. It's one thing to like know how to like use Slack, and it's another thing to be expert level, knowing the ins and outs of how to use Slack like amazingly well. And that's true for all the tools that we use, Zoom or even like Google Calendar. So being an expert in all of the tools that we specifically use within this company. Um, and then I have consulting skills. And under there, it's like design principles and skills, writing, speaking, coaching, self-management slash self-leadership, uh, facilitation, event planning even, 
Then I have new category, future of work tech, um, Jira, Git, Markdown, VR, AR, cryptocurrency, blockchain. And it's not that I'm necessarily doing any consulting specifically related to these, but because they are going to impact the future of work, I feel like I need to understand what those are and have an opinion and like be able to converse about those. Yeah. And then I have a huge category that's just theory. And there's like 40 things on this list. Holacracy, yeah. sociocracy, beyond budgeting, lean, Six Sigma, agile, scrum, Kanban, uh, sociology of work, philosophy of work, economics, teal orgs, diversity and inclusion, behavioral economics. So like really broad things. So how do you, so these are just things for like, you can pull this up and look at it and kind of like refresh your mind. Cause for the most part you are, so does that mean that when, Either you see an article or you see the chance to listen to a talk or you see a chance to to go to a conference or something that falls under one of these things that you, you know, is that how you use this basically? Or like how do you actually actively use this yeah. list of stuff? Cause so I, I'm not actually using it much yet. I'm still building it out. But the idea is that I w- under each of these cards, the way Trello works, so you could kind of picture like index cards sitting in a stack. So like mm-hmm. on the back of each card, I was going to have kind of the best resources to learn more about those things. And then I could yep. use these cards to help guide me in kind of a plan for self-development and learning. Um, and I want and I'm, I'm going to open this up to my colleagues so they can add things as well so that I can get access to whatever they think are the best resources on these various topics uh, as well. Because obviously I could spend my entire life just picking one of these things and learning about it. Uh, so I want to be mindful of where I'm spending my time and attention and trying to get better at this stuff. And some so, of the things so, I already know really well and other things like I know almost nothing about. So so it is truly like, I mean, I, I see your word choice makes sense. It is a curriculum that you're kind of creating for yeah. yourself. Or like, you know, I mean, whether or not it's you're actively working on it or whether or not it's something like, you know, like, you know, I have time to start putting effort into something new or to learn about something new. Like, yeah. what should I be looking at for cryptocurrency or what should I be looking at for yeah, exactly. Not, you know, and it's not it. that I want to be master level at all of these, but I think like, at the ready, we should be able to cover at a master level all of these topics. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to be able to cover as many as I can, and I want to have colleagues that can cover other ones uh, to the best that, that they can. Um, so that, That'd be very useful for farming, kind of like what we touched on last week, where I was talking about, you know, yeah. I mean, general from the point of like, you know, accounting to marketing to from, you know, from marketing and accounting to being down to the point where you're like, you know, QuickBooks and different things you use, like it'd probably be a thing that'd be worth making for a farmer. Cause it's the same thing. Like you were saying, yeah, you, you know, should make a, one. I'll show you this jack, after the call. Yeah. It's like a Jack of all trades kind of thing, but you know, being able to at least maybe even just put on paper, like how many things do I really need to know to farm? Like, you know, I know yeah. the planting, I know the scheduling pretty well, but what do I not realize? I don't like, what do right. I not know? And yeah. knowing what you don't know is, you know, very, very helpful when it comes to being good in the future. Yeah. What's the type of thing that you could take to a, a more experienced farmer and be like, what am I missing here? Yeah. Like if I'm building That's a true. curriculum for myself, what would you add? What do you wish you knew more about at my age? And like, I'm going to do the same thing with this, with more senior consultants. Gotcha. That's a good, it's a good challenge. Good, good homework assignment for me. Yeah. Uh, and my last thing was just kind of connected to that is just like having opinions about the things that having opinions about the state of the field essentially Mm -hmm. and not have opinions for the sake of like beating everybody with them, but having opinions for the sake of testing them and revising them as you learn more, it can be, and I'm sure this is probably true for any profession. It can be, I think it can be easy to just know what you know and just stick with that. Uh, but 
I think a good consultant is constantly challenging what they think they know, what they think, what they, what the assumptions that they are building their knowledge on top of. You have to kind of constantly be poking a because you might end up finding something that is wrong or different, or and and if not that, then b you're just going to be better at articulating them to other people, um, yeah. which is a large part of what being a consultant is. That's uh, I mean, obviously things run in line in general, but I was thinking about with farming too. That's a very similar, you know, like you should have an opinion on on GMOs, or you should have an opinion on no-till yeah. farming, you should have an opinion on conventional farming, exactly. or or the label organic, or all these different things that that come up in, in farmer discussions and farmer debates. Or yeah. you know, from before, I'm, I've never worked on a no-till farm before, but you know, someone could ask like, what was your opinion on no-till? And I didn't actually have one because I'd never experienced right. it. Um, and now my farming. You know, my idea of what a future farm for myself would be is built around the idea of no-till. Before, it never was. You know, I'd been farming for four years, and I had an idea of, like, what tractors I needed, what things I needed, what infrastructure right. I wanted. And then I started – I worked at this farm, and I was like, oh, I can get rid of all of those. I can I have to start over because that's not yeah. – the. you know, I've reframed that. That's not totally. what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. That's a great example of challenging your assumptions and what it – potentially unlocks uh once you once you do successfully challenge um an assumption so so that's my list i don't know i don't know if it's any good but that's what i think makes a, a halfway decent consultant good you got all those for yourself <laughs> Kill that. nah i i'm i'm okay at some of them your court your court away decent i'm 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 okay at you're a very humble of these. you're very humble though uh, <laughs> yeah i guess i'm i guess i'm nailing that one Yep, you've got one. <laughs> I can say that's yeah. true. No, I mean, I've, I'm surprised like how much of a better speaker I've become over the past four years because you've uh, part of it. <laughs> I'm stumbling over yeah, my words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm such a such a joker. Anyway, <laughs> being a teacher, even very briefly, was super helpful. It drilled any fear of public speaking, which I definitely had in high school. It drilled it out of me, which has been very useful considering what I do on a daily basis on my current job. Sweet. Sweet. I'm excited for in the future. Um, I think we should have to do some check-ins on your curriculum of, of new things that <laughs> what you've, I'm working like, on. Yeah. What are you working on? I mean, whether actively or things that you just had your eye on recently well, that are, that are coming up or things that you think are important right now. I think we should do the same um, thing for you. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep my, uh, I, I need to start reading and being more current with the world of farming. I think that's a task for myself because I, I think, there's a lot happening and moving every day in that world of food and especially this day and age. And I feel yeah. like I'm probably not keeping my, my ear close enough to the ground, but I mean, I am literally as I weed, my head is very <laughs> close to the ground. Uh, this is turning into like uh, a really bad comedy hour. So I think we're done now, right? Yeah. My dog's whining. She's gotta yeah. be let out. Okay. All right. Well, uh, for, uh, for fields of work, I've, uh, I've been Sam. I've been Max, and that's Boca, you hear. Oh, all right. See you next week. See ya. Boca, you did so good. Nice. Check your...